This week on the Desert Tiger Podcast, it's the reigning, the defending Western Canadian Music Award Instrumental Artist of the Year. Please join me in welcoming to the show, it's the Apollo Sons. And with that, welcome to this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast, because I am your host here on the show, Colton G. And on this week of the DTP, as you may have just heard, I'm going to be joined by a few of the members of the Apollo Suns. But before we go ahead and jump into the Suns and everything that they are about, I want to take a few moments here. First off, I want to thank those of you who checked out last week's episode, which featured Sanjay Saran of Delhi to Dublin, as we spoke about the group's latest album, We Got This, and all the positive messages that Delhi to Dublin crammed into that album, and it is a beautiful album. If you haven't checked out that episode yet, what are you waiting for? It is in the backlog as well as 67 other amazing episodes with very talented, driven individuals. So go ahead, hit subscribe, check it out for yourself if you haven't done that yet. And of course, I want to take a quick moment to shout out ILoveDTP.com because that is where you, that's right, you, find yourself the sickest Desert Tiger merch so that you can rep the show everywhere that you go. And of course, you know that I'm going to be so thankful for you for going and checking that out. Alright, like I said at the top of the show, my guest today is going to be the Apollo Suns. Ed, Glenn, and Anatole took some time last week during the Apollo Suns Western Canadian run to sit down and talk some shop, discuss all things about the band, including the group's latest EP, their 2019 release, Dawn Offerings. We're going to get into a bunch of details about that EP, as well as the first EP that the group released back in 2017, entitled Each Day a Different Sun. From there, we're going to talk to the group about their Western Canadian Music Award win last year, and what does it feel like to be nominated in the same category again. Of course, this year they're going up against past podcast guest and good friends of theirs in Five Alarm Funk. So there's a lot of talent in the Instrumental Artist of the Year category for the WCMAs. We have a lot to discuss about with the Suns. We also have some future plans to discuss with the band. Of course, like I said, we hit this interview while they were on a tour. Do they have any more tours planned for the rest of this year? What is 2020 Hold for the Apollo Suns after the Breakout West Western Canadian Music Awards ceremony. And just what has the book smart members of the band like Glenn and Anatole learned from band leader and street smart musician 
Ed DeRoche. All of this plus more in today's episode featuring the Apollo Suns. And you guys know that this wouldn't be an episode of the Desert Tiger podcast without spinning you one of the tracks off of their latest EP, Dawn offerings and of course what comes before the dawn what must happen before the light can begin to break through before we can begin to make those offerings this my friends is dark night
Tiger Podcast. We are here with a few members of the Apollo Suns. How's it going today, boys? Please introduce yourselves and what you do in the group. Uh, I am Ed DeRoche. I play guitar and what some would consider the band leader. I would consider that. Yeah. As Glenn Radley, I consider you band leader. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. What do you do, Glenn? Uh, I play drums when I'm not considering Ed as my band leader. Ah. Yeah. And I'm Anatole, and I play keyboards at all times, regardless of... <laughs> That's a much better Thank answer. you. Way Thank better you. <laughs> Alright, so how did the group end up getting formed? How did it come together? I guess I should ask that of the leader himself. Well, the group kind of started out of the... Uh, Destruction, I should say, of my last band, uh, Electric Soul, where Dave Gannett, who is bass player in Apollo, uh, and myself had a band, and we didn't have a band, but we had shows, so we would invite friends to come up and freeform jam with us for an entire set and make things up as we went. Uh, and we saw that the response was way more enthusiastic for that than what we had been doing with Electric Soul and actually, like, trying and, you know, like, kind of forcing things that you sh- you know you know when you're not being honest with yourself about your strengths and weaknesses yeah and you just kind of want to be something that you're not mm-hmm. uh that's you're, kind of what that band was you're trying to put a square peg into a round hole exactly yeah. so, or not or a hexagonal one yeah okay, i guess so hey? yeah uh <laughs> yeah so we had this uh we just had gigs and it was going really well and we were like well i guess we should be an instrumental band now mm-hmm. Uh, we started as a four-piece, and then we quickly added trumpet, percussion, and then all the other horns came in. And now uh, a lot of the original members, like uh, like Ethan, whose house we're in actually right now, left the band, and uh, and then we brought in Glenn and Anatole, and um, and then now we have like a really solid core. And uh, yeah, now we're a ten-piece with oh. like five five horns. So locally, oh, wow. locally yeah. we're a ten-piece. Okay, and, so. Uh, how many pieces tour then? Uh, six to eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this tour it's six, but we've had as many as eight, and then the next two tours this summer will be seven. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Are you guys planning on taking seven with you up to uh, Whitehorse for Breakout West? Uh, yeah, probably seven or eight. Uh, we're still figuring out all the all the logistics of Whitehorse and uh, whether or not it makes sense for us to go up there mm-hmm. uh, with the with the travel costs yeah. and the yeah, like with um, with winning the Western Canadian Music Award last year in Kelowna, yeah, uh, it opened up a lot of doors for us that have allowed us to make the connections that we were going up to Whitehorse to make. So it's kind of like, doesn't make sense to bring a ten piece all the way to Whitehorse. Although I would really love to go for the travel and you know beautiful nature aspect mm-hmm. yeah. of that. But um, I might go. Yeah. Yeah, Glenn uh, might go with a uh, with uh, this songwriter named uh, Ava Wild from Saskatchewan. Okay, very good songwriter. Oh, the doors open. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, well, wind. Yeah, that's uh, still a, a maybe thing, but I, I yeah. hope it happens. That'd be sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to go up to you. I was actually in Kelowna, but I ended up missing you guys, unfortunately. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I already cool. committed myself to a, too many showcases. Oh, that's all good. Well, fun fact, we didn't actually showcase in Kelowna. Really? We, we just won the award, and I was actually on a panel about 
touring in Western Canada. So I, I did everything else to do with that conference minus the Play showcasing others. part. So oh, I, I, I guess I can say that's why I missed you guys. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, if you have a chance, like I, I would recommend anyone going to Breakout West. Uh, I've been to a couple other big conferences and mm-hmm. Breakout West was definitely like really great for us. Like we made a lot of connections that we're now working with and, mm-hmm. And uh, building, yeah, uh, the next steps, I guess, to a more international market. Okay. Yeah. Ed has really done a great job in, in pushing the band. I'm, uh, can I just acknowledge your good work? By all means, please it do. Is, he's done a very good job of helping us build into the next and next level, and mm-hmm. I think we could both... Yeah, absolutely. And it's We're grateful for that. Absolutely. And it's really exciting to see where the band is going and, and the direction that yeah. we seem to be taking, and it's... Yeah. Really all looking... Yeah, we spent the last uh, two days making demos in this house. There's a home studio upstairs. Oh, yeah. I've I've never been a part of a band that, like, had, like, an actual potential shot. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like, I've always wanted to be a professional musician and and all that stuff, but, like, uh, over the last four or five years, it's, like, really understanding what that means, because, you know, when you're young... I, I think you have a different idea of like the work that needs to go in and then when you really start getting down to like the bottom line it's like oh there's way more work than I ever expected or thought but mm-hmm. uh, it's really great to, to see it actually going somewhere and then like believing so strongly in it and like yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah it's, it's great it's surreal at times oh definitely yeah. <laughs> and it's always is that kind of getting brought down to earth moment where you'll be that local band and you're just playing shows and it's like, yeah, this is fun. And it's like, all right, now let's, let's try and book a tour. Yeah. 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 Okay. How many aspects actually go into this? Oh my goodness. And, and then not just booking a tour, <laughs> making it a successful tour. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's the hard part. Like yeah. anyone, like I have newer bands approach me and be like, I want to book a tour. And I'm like, why? Like, why do you want to go out there? And uh, it's like, oh, we just want to go and play. It's like, well, that's stupid. You can play at home and lose a bunch of money there. But but I'm more like, well, let's go out for a purpose and a and a point. Like it's great to go out and play and try to build a fan base. But it's like, let's do it smart and right and like you know, with like a strategy involved, which is a whole other thing than just booking a tour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trying to plan six to eighteen months in advance. Oh yeah, like, I'm on the albums. And- yeah. I've, I've usually got like 10 timelines. I've got like a month, three months, six months, a year, two years, and then I've got like five-year plans and like all these goals that, you know, your five-year plan just informs how you're going to work backwards. You're kind of mm-hmm. reverse engineering. But then little things come up, you know, there's always little opportunities that, that and little landmines that come into your plan and you're like constantly navigating this, this shit show. whoa (laughs) well and you like half the time you don't even know or what to expect oh yeah when it's coming because it could be good it could be bad but no matter what like you like how that affects your five year plan you never know well someone could see you you know like someone could see you that you don't notice there's there's a chaos element of random chance oh yeah Yeah. that comes into play on the road because you just don't know who you're gonna meet or who you're gonna meet on the same bill as we made really good friends with um, a band called Blonde Diamond by playing with them at Bose and like that was and Golden Sound yeah and, Golden Sound and a bunch of stuff has come out of that or like 
you never know who's going to see you. Even yesterday, we were in Enderby at Lorenzo's Cafe, which was great, but there was, like, there's only, like, 20 people there, but five of those people book concerts and performance series all over the Okanagan, and it's like, well, we just made a, on a random Tuesday night gig, we just made a ton of contacts, and yeah. so you never know who's going to see you at, at what time that's going to be like, oh, hey, come do this, and you're like, well, this wasn't part of my plan, <laughs> but, you, but it, you know, you, um, I remember uh, Bucky from uh, Royal Canoe, when I was talking to him about this, he was like, you got to have your plan, but you got to be loose enough to pivot when when a good opportunity comes up like you can't lock in everything mm-hmm. you know like you're, yeah. you're you're planning but you're keeping it loose at the same time we have to be kind of like water right where oh you, yeah you have your goal but if somebody goes and diverts you well i mean like, they'll just float yeah. there and yeah. we'll still try and end up where we're going right yeah, yeah. You're, you're generally going to make it to the ocean mm-hmm. as long as yeah. you're not an idiot but you know. <laughs> gravity and climatology help as well. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Always random factors and things that you don't control yourself personally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just it. Is like on paper to say like, oh, we only had twenty people there. Like that may not look successful on paper, but those five contacts have more value oh, than right. maybe mm-hmm. ten more people in that venue maybe would have had. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, like it, it's it's like so, some gigs are like building gigs. Like we go certain certain performances. Are like we're we're playing to get this one person in the audience who's gonna like book us for this festival or something. And obviously, there are tons of factors to every show. Like yeah, we want to sell out every room and sell tons of merch. But there are some stops where it's like we are going sp- specifically to play to this person, mm-hmm. and of course promoting the show and doing all that thing. But it's like the, the one of the goals so yeah yeah those gigs are almost more high pressure than the big yeah. venues. like the big mm-hmm. venues like really well attended stuff it's just fun to just oh yeah well, i mean play. i mean nest creek nest creek yeah perfect yeah. yeah nest creek was this festival we did last year on uh, on our western tour yeah in and it was amazing of, in the wilderness of northern saskatchewan there's beautiful a beautiful place beautiful place yeah and the the festival is on in this forested area that is kind of um on either side of a really beautiful, pristine, clear creek that's very similar to the water quality we have here in Lake Country, I would say. Yeah, and uh, it was it was great. Like we went on at like one a.m. at the after hours tent to after the dead set twelve hundred yeah. people or something. Yeah, yeah it was like twelve to fifteen hundred people, and it's like classic festival scene where there's like people holding up flags and like glow stick poles mm-hmm. and beach balls, and uh, like the band walks out, and I just wave, and there's like that huge roar and you're like whoa yeah this is cool yeah. so you guys caught the uh crowd right after like one of the headliners when they're still yeah. At, like, oh yeah. The yeah top of their height wow exactly. that's nice yeah they like pretty much just rushed over and it was, it was, it was yeah it's it was like a three thousand person festival as well yeah so. it was nice it was uh, one of the bigger uh, audiences up until then that we yeah that we've played for we have a pretty exciting one when we go home yeah yeah, we're uh, we're um, main staging the Winnipeg Pride Festival. Oh, so it's nice. like uh, it's like in the Forks, which is like a historic kind of touristy, but they've like put a lot of work into it. It's like right where the two rivers meet in uh, Winnipeg. It's a beautiful spot, and also uh, the site of the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. Yeah, and uh, just a very cultural significant spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like uh, the fort was there. Um, Upper Fort Gary. Yeah, like yeah, like a lot yeah. of historic. Um, yeah. yeah, like 
manner. Super touristy now, though. Yes, <laughs> yes. Very. But anyway, we're playing Pride, like, right when the parade gets to yeah. the parks, which so is it's the like, stopping oh. point. So. Yeah, it's like 40,000 people projected. It's like, oh my god, I think I'll... I, I'm probably going to pull an 8 mile and just bomb it in the <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need like 3 buckets. You would mom spaghetti meme what? this podcast. <laughs> Why did I eat spaghetti? <laughs> this is a nightmare. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> we got a pop in the background. I love it. I love it. So you decided that we were going to focus on instrumental was there a serious focus onto the horn aspect of the music? Was that like something that you guys kind of just went into or it was just something that somebody came in, jammed with the boys and you guys, man, this really works. Horns is always something I wanted, but I didn't and probably still don't know how to use them to their full effect, which is why like I rely heavily on like um, the rest of the band because eight out of the 10 people are jazz trained and uh, Anatole's like a orchestra yeah like you're doing your masters right now masters in composition yeah so I I can pretty much just be like here's what I'm thinking and here's kind of what I want and and they'll come back with something way better than I thought it would ever be but yeah horns is something I I wanted and then but it it just started with our first trumpet player uh, played in another band that we did a gig with and he was like man I would love to like come and jam with you guys like no pressure and uh and then just kind of started building. Like once you add those couple horns to to what we were doing, it was like, oh yeah. I remember with my uh, I, I took home some demos at the beginning of the band, and, and there was like demos without horns, and then we had demos with horns. And my partner was like, she heard the horn stuff. She's like, oh now I get it. You know, like now I get what you were talking about. Because before, as a four piece, it wasn't there yet mm-hmm. and then once yeah. we started I find that, like, our writing is really despite being improvisational it's really hook oriented too so having a melody that's like amplified by five horns like counter melodies and counter melodies and stuff yeah. like the, the instrumentation allows us to do a lot of stuff and as a drummer it's super fun especially when we're playing as a 10 piece because I like driving a band of nine other people is super fun you know mm-hmm. and then it's very exhausting too yeah. <laughs> yeah. trying to keep it all orientated yeah. Yeah. And oh yeah and it's so many fun colors to work with and, mm-hmm. yeah, like so many different types of effects and I, I think like our, our music is progressing sort of in a different direction than the first album but it's also oh, like yeah. broadening yeah. its scope quite a bit oh yeah, yeah. Um, which is something that having more horns has definitely allowed us to yeah and like um, a lot of everyone has kind of we have a lot of similarities in what we listen to but there's also a lot of like mm-hmm. uniqueness in like everyone's musical tastes um, a yeah. lot of people get are, are like oh you're very unique and it's like sometimes it's a good and a bad thing you know like <laughs> yeah. something like we don't know where to put you like we like this but what do we do with it and we're like well does it sound good are people sweating and moving I'm selling are, tickets yeah. <laughs> yeah well then you what's the problem here <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know yeah we kind of are straddling a kind of a, a fence between elements of jazz rock and funk so like and because we're instrumental it kind of puts us in a bit of a, a niche though but I think that what's great about bands we've opened for in a similar kind of domain like Five Alarm Funk is that instrumental high energy music is really great at festivals mm-hmm. and we, oh yeah I find like 
especially as a drummer, or I feel like we all feel this way, having a, the chance to be in a band that has improvisation as an element of it is extremely rewarding because we just work on feeding off of each other in our live show and we kind of have developed, a, I would say, a common language among oh, yeah. us in terms yeah. of the way that we I, communicate now. Yeah. yeah, like it's, 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 it's really starting to gel. It's yeah. really, really fun. Okay. So from the first album, Each Day a Different Sun, into the second album, Dawn Offerings, how has the group evolved sonically and in the writing process? Uh, well, Each Day was 80% me writing it, mm-hmm. and it was very guitar-oriented, or uh, yeah. which it still is, kind of, but guitar melodies I write on the guitar could, will then be sometimes transferred over to three or four part horns and yeah. stacked and whatnot. And then it's nice for me because like I'm I'm not the most like uh, uh, competent musician, so it allows me to like stand back and like chill and 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 I can focus on what I do best. Like uh, I'm I'm definitely not the leader musically, which is super nice. Because it allows me to like do everything else, um, but uh, moving forward with Dawn Offerings, uh, it was more collaborative. Like, um, yeah, like Anatole had way more writing on that, and uh, Aaron, our saxophone player, had a lot more credit, and uh, it became more building songs out of jams for the most part, and then mm-hmm. us bringing it home, and then like arranging and figuring out how that's gonna go, and yeah, there, there's way more flavors, more dynamic, more depth more maturity i guess yeah like yeah yeah and i think like it's it's really starting to showcase our diversity of influences Mm. in the Mm -hmm. band now that there are like so many people in it Mm -hmm. you're gonna have so many influences like i think the first one is like very fairly squarely like prog oh yeah for sure um now we're getting like hip-hop beats and yeah electronic tendencies at times like more synths more like we're talking about like programming certain triggers and whatnot and like yeah yeah a lot yeah it's just it's really exciting Mm -hmm. like i I love it so it just continues to evolve and is getting more complicated and not even more complicated we're 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 trying we're fine tuning like we want to be concise yeah 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 like i think the new tunes that we're working on like we're always very conscious about you know do we need this section and like mm-hmm. what does this yeah. really add yeah. so even though you know like from one song to the next it's very different each song is a very coherent state yeah mm-hmm. that's like the goal yeah that yeah like work. how how to make it so i always say how to make it so like the common average passing by listener will get it and appreciate it but even the most like connoisseur of music will can appreciate it as well you know like there are some technical aspects to it but the main goal is always to have it be to connect with with as many people as, as we can. Okay. So you guys have kind of figured out a formula how to include your influences, but to focus them in a specific narrative so that it doesn't get too out of hand. I wouldn't say it's a formula. Like, it's definitely... Yeah, I wouldn't say we've team. learned anything. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a long, slow, brutal process of bashing ideas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hurt feelings sometimes, sorry. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but, yeah. My no. ego's immune. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm immune. <laughs> but it's... No, it's, it's really fun, like, getting getting to jam on, on all these, like, very, um, you know, 
sort of atomic ideas and then expanding them outwards and then trimming them back down into something that you know gets right to the point mm-hmm. yeah there are some loosey-goosey moments for sure which is always very fun to some nice jam moments but also some like straight to the point moments mm-hmm. yeah yeah very very much so you guys do blend a lot of funk and jazz and that's like something that like I was listening I showed my partner the music the other day and she's like well this is very funky or like very jazzy and I was like oh wow it's kind of funky too because like the guitar was funky and it's like no but the drums are jazz <laughs> like, well, listen to the guitar babe <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. So you got actually mentioned that you guys picked up a award at Breakout West last year for Western Canadian Music Award Instrumental Artist of the Year. Yeah. So what has that meant to you in the group? Like you mentioned that it has opened up a few doors for you, but I mean, what does that actually mean? Because you went down there, you actually spoke on the panel. What was the weekend for you? What it tell was. Me about it. It was, personally, it was, uh, oh man. You know when you've like been working on something for so long that you really care about? Mm-hmm. And uh, with that comes a lot of self-doubt and stress and exhaustion, but also like a lot of love and joy and care. It was it was like an amalgamation of all of that because like, you, you never know if what you're doing is, for me, I'm always self-doubting. It's like, is this good? Is this any good? Like, or when people, when, when the more successful we've gotten I'm like are people just like messing with me is this just one big long con but uh when we won it it was it was a nice moment of like oh god that felt so good you know like getting validated by your peers a little bit you know and you're like oh this is nice you know like we're it was like a moment of acceptance but also um I had a few people in the industry that were like really like you know you are in this you you and the band have worked so hard and you've been pushing and um, making good music and uh, it was nice it was nice to like and, and then to, to chum it up with people and you know have not pay for a drink the entire weekend was awesome <laughs> right? and I uh, what was it uh, I, had to, I had to talk on the panel Friday morning about like strategic touring in Western Canada and we and we got the award on Thursday night so of course I went out and, uh, and, I, and I walk into the conference and uh, one of the organizers partners is there and she's like Oh, Eddie, you look like shit. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Everyone's going to know I'm a screw-up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I just, like, chugged a bunch of coffee and, like, bullshitted my way through, like, two hours. of like, so, Western Canada, um, what can I tell you? Lots of oatmeal, and, boy, BC loves you. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely get the are-they-messing-with-me thing, though. Like, when, when we got nominated again this year like I I could not believe it like having having I I sound so egotistical now (laughs) (laughs) I think think I'm allowed a little bit of of egotism every now and then Uh, yeah that was like so shocking and to be up against like Five Alarm Funk are kind of idols and parents almost oh yeah and other great artists in the category yeah it's like a stack like like last year there was there, there was solid um, people in that group and, and then this year I'm like oh man like I, I was checking out the, uh, everyone in, in our group I was like oh oh <laughs> well uh, Tao from Five Alarm Funk messaged me he's like oh it's on now buddy and I was like well you know if I have to give the award to anyone I'm, I'm really happy it'll be you 
Not that I'm saying Funk will win, but I feel like they're heavyweights in Western Canada. Yeah. And, and even across Canada, and now in the U.S., they've started to break mm-hmm. down there. And, like, we've opened up for them a couple of times, and uh, we've made a really nice relationship with them. So, yeah, it's been great. How, how did you feel, Glenn, about the, about the award? Pretty dope. I've been in a bunch of bands. This is the first one that went really well. And I feel like the award itself is just, like, a really nice... A thing to on top of that I don't know it just I don't know I'm just very grateful to be where I am and getting recognized by a group of our peers is really amazing I wish I had been at the conference that would have been sick yeah <laughs> but yeah I don't know I, I it's hard to it's, I feel like I don't have even really processed it yet I don't know like I I don't know Sorry. <laughs> we're, we're coming on to the second one, and I'm still processing the first one. Ask yeah. me in three years, and maybe the second one will <laughs> See, that's what egotism sounds like. That's what egotism sounds like. That was a long con bit, and here we are back in the present. <laughs> Didn't mean to make it sound like an ass, but sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but don't fret. There's still a lot more of Ed, Glenn, and Anatole of the Apollo Suns on the other side of this break. Of course, we got to go ahead and spin you another track off of the Apollo Suns 2019 EP, Dawn Offerings, and we're going to be doing that for you here right away. But of course, before we take that moment, I want to take a quick moment to shout out ILoveDTP.com because that is where you, that's right, you, you beautiful person, you listening to this show right here, right now, that is where you are going to go ahead and find yourself the finest in Desert Tiger merchandise. I mean, really, it's the only place that you're going to find that merchandise as well, but nonetheless, because this is the best way for you to support the show besides those free options, which of course, again, are subscribing, sharing, and rating, and reviewing. But like I said, this is the best way for you to support the show, because when you go ahead and pick up a t-shirt off of ilovedtp.com, that money goes directly into things like my gas tank in order for me to drive to places to interview great bands like the Apollo freaking Suns. That's right, if you have bought a shirt, you have contributed to great episodes such as this one. So please, while you're enjoying this episode, go ahead, pat yourself on the back, and if you're wearing your Desert Tiger podcast t-shirt while you're patting yourself on the back, I must say my, you look mighty freaking fine while doing so. So if you guys want to go ahead and support the show, you can go and do so at ilovedtp.com. That is I-L-O-V-E-D-T-P.com. All right, it's about that time that we fired up the jukebox once again. So let me just walk on over here, bang on it a couple times. Oh. Oh, it's spinning. It's spinning. Here we go. The 2019 EP Dawn Offerings. This track is entitled A Song for Sterling.
The Desert Tiger Podcast. Okay, so for being an instrumental-based rock group, especially in Western Canada, for getting onto the road at first, how difficult is it to book shows and venues? Because, like you said, for festivals, like it's a very easy sound for those sorts of crowds to catch on to <laughs> and move along to. But like when to try and convince concert promoters when you guys are first getting onto the scene mm -hmm. to promote a instrumental band when yeah. lyricism is a huge thing to a lot of people. How difficult was that? Well, it's not like our first tour we were playing great rooms or anything. And like I said before, anyone can book a tour. Yeah, yeah there, there's a dive in every city that doesn't have a sound system or expects to not pay the band and gets upset when you ask people to pay $5 at the door and then yells at you about expecting to be paid. But anyway, I, I think part of it was being upfront insanely professional. Like even in the emails, yeah, I was like very straight to the point of like, this is how we'll promote the show. These are the opening bands we have. Uh, we'll work as hard as we can to make the night a success. Um, and then most promoters are willing to give you a shot, you know? Yeah, festivals were not easy for us to get into. They, the first two years, um, when people ask about how we got this far, I say, and I'm serious, spite is a very powerful tool. At <laughs> you know, like every time we would get a rejection, I would be like, you know, not, not fully, or, but be like, you know, I'm gonna show them, I'm, we're gonna do this. I'm gonna give them no choice but to book us because we're going to get to that point where they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. um, ha having said that, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> You know, it's it's not not to sound like arrogant or anything like that, but you know, if you, if if you keep on um, hitting and hitting and, and working hard and like refining, I feel like there will come a time where that hard work just has to pay off, as long as what you're making is honest and decent to a large amount of people, or at least a good amount of people, mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I would say this is the first band though that I've, I we would that I would travel with that I, I feel like we actually are building a fan base, especially in Western Canada. And, yeah, and that mm -hmm. there are re, there are repeat people like we had a mega fan in Prince George named Justin who had seen us previously in Lethbridge. In Lethbridge. Yeah, and like and it's just it's interesting like meeting people again because like, we've been back and forth a couple of times now coastally. Yeah, like Saskatoon. There was tons of people that came just to see us and bringing their friends now. So we've gone to that point where it's like now our fans are bringing their friends who are then in turn bringing their friends. So it, it went from being 10 people at a show yeah. to 30 people at a show to now 60 people at a show in our good markets. And uh, Saskatoon was 130 people, which is like, yeah. um, so it's getting to that point now where it's like three degrees now. And like, and then yeah. you're building out to like that fourth friends circle and then the fifth and then all of a sudden it's like snowballing like so um but yeah in, in the beginning uh it was definitely hard at, at times and there was like more empty rooms than not but f on every tour there was at least three good shows that like kept morale yeah. going and we were yeah. having fun but now it's like kind of switched over where i think we've only had like a couple bummer shows and then it's like but even the bummer shows have some some positives to them now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so 
Like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Dawn offering this morning. Today, you guys actually see that it's on the Exclaim Earshot number nine. Yeah, that's My cool. My goodness. So it's getting lots of radio play on various community radio stations and yeah. otherwise across Canada. So to actually see something that you've put out on the charts, I mean, like we said earlier, for an instrumental group, like when some of the other groups on there are long-time proven Canadian acts to yeah. be on charts with them. What does that look like? Um, it looks, it feels great. It, it, uh, it, it's nice to see a, a college and a community radio stations playing a, a three-song album and it charting so high. It's like, wow, man, those songs are getting some nice plays. We also learned that we're getting some plays in, on CBC and Prince George and Kelowna. And um, which is great because I never thought we would be a CBC band whatsoever. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, it, it was nice to see like us at number nine, and then like Royal Canoe like at number fourteen. <laughs> I, I, I love Royal Canoe, and it's like nice. Yeah, they're like yeah. untouchable in Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, they are untouchable. Completely untouchable. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. In, in Winnipeg, yeah, to like kind of going up and down on the charts with them is like really cool um yeah and uh and and i always want to like say thank you uh to college radio because uh, those djs are like your first champions to me you know like they're they're willing they're true musical music appreciators you know they're they're volunteer no one's paying them and obviously being volunteer but uh you know (laughs) like uh it's both yes um (laughs) But you know they're they're pushing the up and coming bands. They're telling their friends. They're playing it on air. They're talking about the shows locally. Cannot overstate the importance when you're first starting of uh, college campus radio stations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. We like to do lives. I think we all share a, a, an affinity for the live sessions on radio. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's great. We've actually gotten like a kind of like to to like kind of like prove a point for instance uh in in calgary there's cjsw and um we had a show last summer that a festival promoter couldn't come to but i sent him like oh hey by the way we're doing this live session the next day on on the radio station maybe you can tune in at like 10 in the morning and then he messaged me being like oh yeah i totally heard it you guys sounded great and then he actually like booked us Hmm. for the festival which is based on like a radio performance so you know, you never know. You, I, like you, you kind of want to put yourself out as many ways as you can. And if it's five more people are going to be fans of yours because they hear you on the local radio station, then yeah, you if you have time to stop there on tour, you should really do it. Uh, and you never know where those DJs are going to end up. You know, like they're voting on the Polaris. They're maybe going on to work at record labels in five years or they're going on to book, be booking agents. Like Canada is such a small scene for a large country that... You know, you never know who, where anyone is going to end up in a year to five years to ten years. So, yeah. I guess just make friends with everyone. Oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's one person could be just being a roadie for a radio station, and next thing you know, they get picked up by CBC, and yeah, yeah. suddenly they're on air talent, and they're getting picked up, and they're building steam, and suddenly yeah. the fans that they've been paying attention to this whole time... Yeah, are, are now on their playlist yeah, like yeah, in yeah. heavy rotation. I yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly it, you know. So 
College. Fantastic. Okay, so when you go into a live studio like that, especially for a larger bound with a very big sound to them, do you guys strip down the sound at all when you're doing a live (laughs) in-studio thing like that? Or how do you guys manage to capture the sound of the band well inside of a community radio station studio? Well, I think most, you know, very fortunately, most college radio stations that we've done live sessions for have very competent sound techs working there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we often get a much better sound check uh, at a live session than we would at a venue. Um, so really, we don't have to hold back. We can just play as free as we want. And, uh, you know, it's like almost like an ideal situation. Like in C, uh, in Calgary, like we each had our own headphone monitor mixes, which we don't even get in the recording studio. Yeah. Which um, is so nice. I, I think it also comes from like having toured so much and been a band very heavily active that we we like learn like how to um, play the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like we've had rooms that are very small, very big, no sis, no sound system, no sound tech where we have to figure it out. Hmm. So when we go into any sort of room, we uh, it takes time, of course, but you know you learn how to run a sound check. You learn how to shut up when you don't need to play, you know, and like make sure everyone's checking their own stuff. And uh, yeah, so so that's kind of how we've learned how to in a ten piece in a small studio, uh, college studio, like we can still pull it off and have it be good. It might not sound exactly like the recording, thank you, uh, and it might be a little different, but. It's all, I, I think it's always going to be good. It just might, it's not always the same, and that goes the same with like our live shows as well. Yeah, I have people who have been to twenty of our live shows locally, and every time they're like, "That was the best show you guys have ever done." It was so different because it's like just from the nature, and I think that's what gives us a leg up on certain bands that have just like a color by numbers uh, set list type thing and uh, we also incorporated visuals into our and set. like we have a custom light show now yeah like we have some animations is it by Zephrison or Ben or Zeph yeah Zephrison is a great uh, animator and video guy in, in Winnipeg and uh, he, we, he created like a psychedelic pattern that kind of morphs into itself like an all scene eyeball yeah. like animated eyeball that looks mm-hmm. out into the audience and shit and yeah with projected onto large screens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's cool, a, a local show. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like it would be very intense. Plays <laughs> into the music, probably. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, yeah. It's, I asked that question before, definitely because just to say, like, the cookie cutter type set list thing where a band, like, a lot of bands, and not to rag on them, though, will go into the studio and they'll oh, let's play an acoustic set and they just play their regular song bare bones without even right. like considering that it's going mm. to sound empty <laughs> yeah it's uh i guess it depends on the format of your music like mm-hmm. if, if you're if you are someone who functions well as a folk songwriter mm-hmm. solo's fine like just but i don't know i feel like our band is predicated on the instrumentation to mm-hmm. provide the full effect so mm-hmm. Like I, I think that you could get away with just like a sick, like a, doing an acoustic thing, but mm-hmm. for this band it would not work. Yeah, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, it's just like sometimes you'll have like a heavier band who will try and do like an acoustic thing with just like the bare bones of the guitar, and it'll just be like, ah, this doesn't work, guys. <laughs> yeah. It 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 can work even for more like 
music. Mm-hmm. Um, some hiatus coyote um, acoustic sessions, I think. Or I don't oh, know if they were fully acoustic, but like they're way more stripped down. And mm-hmm. you know, like as long as the songwriting yeah. is tight, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like it sh- it can often really still sound yeah. good and, when and it's stripped down. When we had that as well, like last summer, we had to do a few shows out east as a four mm-hmm. piece. And I think those shows were still really good. Like, uh, yeah, you're you're arranging and songwriting to show if it's good or not. You should be able to play the melodies should stand up with just like on a, a solo acoustic guitar with the bass line and the melody. Uh, yeah. You know you have something good if you can have the bass line on the top string and then like just the melody or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like the campfire effect. If you can play the song around a campfire with the acoustic guitar and it still sounds good, mm-hmm. then it's a good song. Yeah. Or a part of it, you know, like, you know, always kind of, if you can strip it down to a three-piece for us and it's still good, then it's like, oh, sweet. Then I guess it's going to be a song then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like we mentioned earlier, you are on a panel for touring Western Canada. You have a larger outfit that sometimes maybe getting inside of a vehicle and getting organized can be a... <laughs> A little bit tight, a little bit difficult. So what are some hints, what are some tactics that you have learned to employ over the years to make things work as smoothly as possible? Because let's face it, things don't ever run as smooth as you want them to. As smooth as I want them to, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I think... Being respectful of each other's space is really good, and everyone is out of their comfort zone for the most part. If you're a fan of the home routine, it can be hard, uh, even when you really enjoy uh, touring. For instance, like I have like a partner and like a year and a half old son at home, so you know it's like uh, it, it can be a little tricky and like emotional uh, at times, but. Um, I, I think the band is really good at like respecting each other's spaces for the yeah. most part, and just like you know, you don't always have to like chum it up with everyone all the time. Sometimes yeah. you just want to shut up like and it's be a quiet. Really mutually supportive environment and an honest one, like that. You know, if so, if there's ever a small little issue of politeness or mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing, we're very good at talking through things and just occupying space with each other yeah. and having a good time most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Coming from like a personal or like a band leader and speaking to the band leaders specifically, don't uh, I would say don't ever hold the rest of your band. And if like I am an avid believer in like constantly working and hustling, and I stay up to one in the morning doing emails and research and planning, um, I had to learn to not expect that of everyone else in the band. Because um, you will be disappointed uh, for the most part. Like having said that, uh, the rest of the guys pull their weight even more so than I even asked them to at times, which is amazing. But uh, I hold myself like to a hundred percent on the ball at the whole time. And as a band leader, you cannot hold the rest of your band to your personal standards of how you set for yourself. Like you still set standards, of course, and like and like mine are high. But um, just for the band leaders, like don't. Yeah, don't like expect everyone ever to care as much as you do about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I've gotten super lucky in that I I feel like through the hard work that I've done, it's easy to get people to buy into the band to be like, hey, there's a future here. You want to be a professional musician? Well, we've got a pretty good shot at it. So 
with yeah. some work and like some yeah. care. It's it's very motivating to like see how much work Ed puts in and like watching the dividends of that hard work pay out now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like yeah, it just makes it a lot easier to want to pitch in. And yeah. I also feel like we're learning a lot about the industry from you, Ed. Yeah. Like, we get to watch you operate, which is actually a super <laughs> privileged position for us Sweet. to have. We just get to see that it is actually quite a lot of work yeah. to make all of this stuff happen. Yeah. And that you're very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is, like, a way for me to also add added value to being in my band. It's like, well, I can pay you not the greatest, but I can also give you, I can feed you a little bit. You don't have to worry about accommodations. And I will help you with your projects as much as I can. Um, as long as it doesn't fully go against my own self-interest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Why would you expect more than that of us? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I guess that's like how to survive on the road and, and in a band as well, you know? Um, all right. So on that point saying that you guys have had a firsthand like experience being able to see someone else's like vision and how they pull it off. What are some of the things that you have learned from watching Ed from the planning aspects to the music writing aspects to bringing it all together? What are some things that you have learned and what are some things that you have already applied to your own craft? Okay, I would say that, you know, like I've been in a lot of bands and worked with different band leaders before, but Ed is First of which that I've been fortunate enough to be in the band of, and <laughs> oh my god, that it, uh, and he's the first one who's very business oriented, and it, I feel like it's the business oriented side of things that I'm learning from the most, just in terms of as we've mentioned, like the level of time he spends, staying up till one in the morning, uh, emailing people all the time. I think that for my own kind of music that I plan to make with my life, I, I can take those kind of perspectives on the workload. Um, I can take those in and understand what that'll be moving forward in my own life. Mm-hmm. Not to have, put this in a past tense kind of way, <laughs> but it's just those things are very valuable. Yeah, you're not leaving the band. I'm not leaving the band. Forever. Yeah, I think like it's been interesting to see, like, you know, it's, it is a lot of work and, yeah. and more than you'd ever think. I think um, what's interesting about our experience is that we come from a music school experience yeah. and we didn't really have much of a, a music industry kind of crash course of right. what yeah. the world is actually like outside of that kind of bubble because I feel like the music school world is kind of a bubble in, in that way. And it's just, yeah, it's like, you know, like work on your technique, go to New York, prove yourself that sp- way. Specific narratives. That's exactly <laughs> what you have to do. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really been interesting to see how, you know, you might temporarily think you're in a setback or you're in a bit of a lull but things you know with with the hard work Mm -hmm. you push through it and it just goes to places where you never imagined Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. just really encouraging definitely encouraging you're a life-affirming kind of person you can make a career out of winnipeg manitoba (laughs) go figure who knew that (laughs) all the time i heard in saskatchewan that was impossible Uh, okay, so you guys are currently on the road in support of Dawn Offerings, but once the tour, this tour, the specific tour wraps up, once you finish it off, what are the plans for the rest of 2018 here before you... 19, 2019. 2019, 2019, wow, me, living in the past. 
2019 <laughs> before, of course, you go up and defend your Western Canadian Music <laughs> Award. Uh, well, we're, we're home for a month and we're doing Winnipeg Pride Festival and the uh, Winnipeg uh, International Jazz Festival, which is a dream come true for me as I've never played that festival and I've always yeah. wanted to. We're on Saturday night at like the big open free stage, like out, outside, like right downtown Winnipeg. So that'll be yeah, which is like old, like colonial warehouse, old nice buildings. Oh yeah, it's just like a very beautiful area to do an outdoor show. I'm really looking forward. to Yeah, it. And, and then going on the road, uh, heading to the East Coast for two and a half weeks. Yeah. Uh, a couple the festivals. End of, yeah, end of June, early July, and then we're home for two and a half weeks, and then coming back out west. Yeah, and in that time we're home, we have like two festivals at home <laughs> in that as well, and then we're out west again uh, for two weeks in July and August to do the Element Festival in Princeton, live in West Kelowna. Uh, got a big show in Calgary at the Palomino with I Am The Mountain, which is great. Yeah, um... Yeah, it's it's really interesting because like now our tours have festivals built into them and like yeah yeah uh, and then yeah we have uh, breakout west and then um, we're getting ready uh, we're getting the new album ready so Don Offerings was kind of a teaser or a taste to what's going to be coming up next year uh, in early fall we're aiming to release a full length. Uh, we, we have about seven songs of that already recorded and working on four to five new ones. Yeah, I, we just wanted to get something out and I didn't want to release all of it all at once mm-hmm. this year. And especially with going into the U.S. with our, uh, We just signed with a U.S. booking agent um, out of California. So we're going to be building the U.S. And uh, yeah, and we just signed with a Canadian agent. So we'll hopefully our uh, bigger shows in Canada. We might have a couple of surprise Announcements, but I'm not allowed to say anything yet to anyone. But we're working on a, a potentially a, a mind-blowingly cool show that I really hope happens. But more on that, I guess, in the future. Definitely yeah. more in the future for sure. So, are you guys currently recording that full length here inside this home studio above us? No, we're doing uh, pre-production. Yeah, so uh-huh. we're, we're taking the ideas we've been formulating as a group. There's a core writing um, component of the group. There's four of us. Yeah, four or five. Four yeah. or five, and we get together and do writing sessions, and now that we have access to a home studio, we are just experimenting with those ideas and fleshing them out a little bit more so that when we go into the studio next, we have more of an idea of what things could possibly be. Mm-hmm. The Hopefully pre- an exact idea. Yeah. <laughs> Concise is <Yeah>. the word. <laughs> Okay, so mm-hmm. when you guys craft a song, you just have, like, this is all, like, before you guys have horns, right? Um, well, we, uh, or you have, like, an idea of what you have. Yeah, we, have, we bring in, so Aaron Bartell, who's actually sleeping upstairs, I think, uh, he plays all sorts of saxophones, and he will usually take my melody that I write on guitar and kind of transfer it over to three or four uh, horns, and then... Um, uh, Anthony, who plays trombone, uh, has been doing a lot of work on these new songs with like pads and harmonies and like adding a lot of textures on there. Uh, so it's gotten a lot more collaborative. Yeah. In in the way, so but it usually starts as a core, and one of us will bring in like a riff or a chord progression. Usually, we ask for three things, like three ideas for the song. Yeah. And then usually one will won't make the cut, and then but we'll grow off of those two or three. 
and then they turn out generally way better than I thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Wednesday and Crybaby are like that. These are working titles for the new songs. Um, but yeah, Crybaby for sure. I'm is, really excited about yeah. that song. I'm going to chops out on that mop. Yeah, that one's great. <laughs> Wednesday is just this journey for me. I'm like, this is fucking cool. Yeah, I love that one. Feel, feel the excitement. That's yeah. good. That's good. All right, are you guys doing this full length all in? One studio, or are you guys doing it in a few different places? Um, so we've, I, I guess we've been recording with uh, Lloyd Peterson at Paintbox Studios in Winnipeg, and I, I think the plan is to continue there. Yeah, uh, yeah Lloyd's been great, great set of uh, years. Lloyd and his daughter Madeline are up for Producer of the Year at uh, the Western Canadian Music Awards in uh, Whitehorse for Maddie's album, yeah. and they're great. Uh, the Rogers have been friends of mine. That's, uh, yeah, Lloyd, Lloyd Peterson, and then his two kids, Maddie and Lucas, have been great friends of mine for last year. Yeah, they're, five they're kind of the staples of the folk scene in Winnipeg and abroad. Yeah, they're amazing. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining Absolutely. us here. From the book Music Smarts on the side <laughs> of the table with Glenn and Anatole to the Street Music Smarts. Oh, yeah. All right. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, that brings us to the close of another episode here at the Desert Tiger Podcast. So, of course, I want to go ahead and take a moment to thank Glenn and Anatole of the Apollo Suns for joining us on this episode. And, of course, I want to go ahead and thank Ed DeRoche, band leader of the Apollo Suns, for also joining me, but for also reaching out to me to inform me that the group was going to be doing a Western Canadian run. And, of course, we ended up planning this episode, this episode right here. That's how these things work. Get out there, network, make your dreams come true. You never know what happens when you reach out sometimes. Of course, if you are a group who possibly is interested in being on Desert Tiger, go ahead, message me at desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com. I can't always guarantee that everybody is going to get a spot right now. We are still sticking to one episode a week. And things are getting booked up pretty quickly at this rate. So sometimes I can't promise you anything, but you never know. So you might as well take that shot. Just like Ed did when he emailed me. Just like the Apollo Suns do every time they hit the road. Every time they step into the studio. And every time they step on stage, they are taking that shot to do the most with everything that they have. So reach for the stars, because even if you miss, you're going to end up in space, and space is pretty goddamn cool, man. So from one dream chaser to another, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here on today's episode, maybe you want to consider sharing the episode on your social media, or, you know, Maybe telling your friends about it in person if you still do that sort of thing. Maybe while you're telling your friends or family about it in person, you can do so while wearing a Desert Tiger t-shirt, which you can go ahead and grab from ilovedtp.com. Of course, that is I-L-O-V-E-D-T-P.com. Because that is the website that is the best place for you to go 
to support the show, to wear and rep it every single place that you go. And of course, to those of you who do go ahead and pick up a t-shirt, you're going to get yourself a nice handwritten note from yours truly. If you want me to go ahead and give you a phone call, just leave your phone number in the details of the order and I will go ahead and give you a call as soon as I possibly can. Of course, there are no guarantees that I'm going to get it done on the same day or even the day right after, but I am definitely going to make sure that I get that phone call to you, that handwritten note to you, those extra little goodies in the bag like the stickers and everything else, those are going to be coming your way too when you order from ilovedtp.com. All right, you guys, have yourselves a gorgeous weekend. Summer is on its freaking way. Go out there and celebrate. Yeah. All right. Have a good weekend.